Good morning, guys. It is Friday, the 27th of May, and then a good night overnight in Wall Street. What happened, Henry? Well, a good night, Tom. As you rightly point out, we did have a good night on Wall Street. Uh, some retailers in the US came out with some better than expected numbers, which was good. That comes on the back of those Walmart and Target kind of disastrous numbers that we saw the other day, or at least the disastrous comments. As a result of all this, the Dow rallied 517 points, which is not bad. And it wasn't far off its high, which is up around 650. So it's one point six percent better but it was a story of nasdaq those nasdaq stocks recovered nicely maybe helped in part by elon musk saying that he had got some more equity funding for twitter as a result nasdaq was up 2.7 percent tesla had a bounce which had been weighing sentiment wise at least they were up 7.4 percent so we did see u.s tech stocks good across the board the oil price was better as well up nearly three percent in brent crude terms so that was kind of interesting given that we are seeing expectations of a global slowdown, but the oil price is showing gains there. Commodities not doing much and miners not doing much overseas either, but a good start for our market this morning. It is Friday and it's good to end the week on a high note, that's for sure. Thank you, Henry. Absolutely right. And uh, a good lead into what's going on with our market. The ASX 200 is up more than 80 points. All sectors in positive territory, consumer discretionary and tech are outperforming. Utilities and consumer staples underperforming, but still positive positive. Appen is down 21% after bid was pulled for no apparent reason. And we were saying on the desk, perhaps that it's something to do with Appen wanting a sweeter deal or telling the market and scaring the bidder away. Got to say, if you have had a bid approach, if there's one thing to screw it up, it is go and tell the market about it when the bidder didn't want you to. I'm not sure that's what happened, but you pump your share price 28% and the bidder's likely to turn around and say, what did you tell everybody for? And your defense is, oh, I'm a listed company. I'm getting my price up. But you know, it, it looks like they screwed the pooch, as they say, and the bid pulled the next day. Stock market is an amazing place, isn't it? That you've got all this compliance, but all it does is create exactly the opposite of what the ASX wants to achieve, which is a stable stock market. And instead, people will have got caught yesterday buying for a higher bid because that bid was well above what the share price was. It's just tragic, right? Anyway. So Appen, not very happy today. Info Media up 4%. But, but it did hit its apex. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll move on. Right. Infomedia up 4%. They have had a bid of 175 cents, and that comes in ahead of the TA Associates bid of 170. So the war for Infomedia heating up. We do have some retail sales data for April as well to color the economic calendar, but I'll just signpost some things for next week, what to look out for. Locally, we have a GDP number on Wednesday. And the current estimates from the RBAC GDP hitting 4.25% this year, then dropping to 2% next year. The last print was 4.2%. So we're very close to the top going off those RBA estimates. The US has jobs numbers out on Friday. That's Saturday morning out time. And the release is expected to reaffirm that tight labor market in the US. Unemployment is at 3.6% in the US. And we do have an OPEC meeting on 
Thursday. The issue for them that continues to bubble away is that not every member, for one reason or another, is able to meet production requirements. And last month, they even upped requirements, part of a mandate that's been in place for a while. But OPEC meeting, interested to see if anything comes from that. And we'll move to Henry. What are you talking about today in Henry's take? We know you were at Equity Mates yesterday. What do you have from those guys? I was at Equity Mates yesterday, Tom. It was a lot of fun, as always. They're good guys. Uh, recorded a bunch of stuff in terms of stocks, and they're one the ones that were most popularly asked for in terms of uh, some views. So that was good. But it was in- impressive to see uh, Sydney siders out and about, I have to say. I don't know whether it was the sunshine that brought them out, but the city was buzzing yesterday. So just a few thoughts on the inflationary aspect of that, looking at the price of early bird parking in Sydney, which is always interesting. This comes on the back of a couple of things yesterday that caught my eye. One is the massive jump in retail electricity costs and energy costs that we're about to see on the East Coast in 18% in some places in New South Wales. And that also feeds into another discussion from the NBN, which has some implications for some of our telcos, because the NBN is asking for a wholesale price increase because there's too much competition. Now, competition is supposed to actually push prices down, but apparently Starlink, which is Elon Musk's satellite sort of broadband service, uh, is making some inroads as is 5G. So that does have some implications for ABB and a bunch of the other telcos. And also this morning, just watching on CNBC, they had a weather forecaster on. I love to see uh, CNBC. It's always fascinating what they get on. But the weather forecaster was looking at the upcoming US hurricane season. Now, of course, this does also have implications for the oil price, inflation, US motorists, which are out and about at the moment because it's officially US driving season. I think this weekend is Memorial Day holiday, and that kicks off the US driving season. So they're saying that this could be a serious hurricane season. And as a result, that could put further pressure on those oil prices. So long in the full caps, a couple of oil stocks still. And also adding one this morning, uh, EOS Electro Optic Systems, which I became a de facto expert from two articles I wrote for Livewire on. Uh, They had a pretty strong AGM presentation. So just added a, a holding in that one. So just nibbling away at some of these tech stocks that have been whacked hard at the moment. So just putting a little bit more confidence in the marketplace. That's for sure. Heaps of good stuff today, Henry. Marcus, what are you talking about? Right. Well, I'm beginning to engage for the first time ever with our Facebook discussion group. Maybe I should have done that earlier, but I'm quite enjoying it. Somebody posted up there today, which sort of kicked me off in the strategy section. Someone posted up there today a list of ETFs for a correction bounce, which is something I put in the newsletter, I think last weekend. It's just, what what would you buy for a bounce? And this is not, I I had a rather critical email saying, I can't believe the quality of the recommendations you put in about what you would buy for a bounce in the market. And they wanted me to have quality long-term stocks. And the suggestions I'd put in were stocks that have fallen a lot and the ETFs that were geared to the upside in the market. But just to differentiate on that, Yes, I get the idea we all want to buy quality stocks, but everybody's on a different point of the spectrum. And I've asked the question in the strategy piece today, uh, where are you on the spectrum? Because we go from low risk conservative investors up to very aggressive high risk investors. And I think if you were to start to buy the market, you'd be a fairly aggressive investor, uh, not investor, you'd be a fairly aggressive member, and you'd be looking for short term gains in recovery stocks, not long term quality stocks. So uh, there is 
some value in putting forward a list of recovery trades rather than investments. And uh, one of our members did that in the Facebook discussion group. You can go, go to the Facebook discussion group, see his list. But the ETFs are mostly obvious, tech ETFs, NASDAQ-related ETFs, FANGs, technology, and LNAS, which is a ultra-geared <laughs> NASDAQ ETF, which will give you whiplash every time I touch it, I get burnt. But there are things that you can buy. And I think with the market up five days on the trot in the US, not the NASDAQ, it's only been up two days on the trot. With the market up five days on the trot, clearly some of you are coming out to play. Some of you who are in the, the red, aggressive, very aggressive zone are looking for something to do. Good news, by the way, about the spectrum is you may say I'm a conservative investor or I'm long-term or I'm income. But the truth of the matter is we can all be on multiple points of the spectrum. So I might use 80% of my money to invest and forget about in a compounding ETF and I might have 20% I play around in small companies. So we can be in both places. So there, there is clearly from the vibe, from the emails and the Facebook discussion group, a group of members who want to have a play. So there is a recovery trade to be had. It's not a quality investment trade, but we're going to have to start thinking about putting a list together of stocks that have the potential to bounce in the short term, which will be a lot of stocks that you wouldn't invest in long term. So I'll get on with that. I put the ideas portfolio in the strategy piece today. That has been dormant whilst the market's been doing nothing. Maybe it's time to wake that up a little bit and put in a bit of uh, fun short-term recovery stuff. Otherwise, a couple of little strategy points. Royal Bank of New Zealand, RBNZ, have upped rates. I don't know whether you saw yesterday. They're up to 2% now whilst we flop around at 0.35%. They say they're on the way to almost 4% by the second half of next year. So that's six or seven more 25 basis point rate rises. And their inflation target is 1% to 3%. It's going to peak at 7%, they say, in June, which makes me think, is inflation going to peak globally in June? Maybe it will, in which case we'll relax a little bit. It's almost worth buying a bond in New Zealand. They're yielding over 3% now, 10-year bonds. And by comparison, we're asleep. So I think the message from New Zealand is we've got a bunch of rate rises to come. And if you haven't prepared yourself for that, then you're going to get caught out. It's not often New Zealand leads Australia, I have to say, but unless you're a rugby union player. <laughs> I was going to say, unless you're an All Blacks fan. Yes. And I saw a piece of Wilson's weekly strategy piece had a list of all the previous corrections. So I've pulled those out. And in the last 50 years, there have been 11 corrections bigger than the current correction. And if you average those, the average correction is 30.5%. And the average length is 10.2 months. But if you take the big ones out, which is the GFC, 55% drop, this is on the S&P 500, tech rec, 48%, oil price crash, 1970s, 48%, the pandemic, 34% in one month. That's the amazing thing about the pandemic. And the 87 crash, take, take those big ones out. And there are in fact six corrections that lasted three to five months, almost all of which were exactly 20%. And we're down 18%. So there's a chance a, a lesser commentator than myself would suggest that this is a normal correction and that from this 20% level, that's often half the time, that's where the corrections bottom. Anyway, there we go. I put the ETF spreadsheet in the strategy piece today. I'm now going to update the ETF spreadsheet and the All Lords spreadsheet on a Friday, not Saturday morning, because it just takes me ages on Saturday mornings, killing my time. And 
And uh, so I'll be updating those on Thursdays from now on. ETF spreadsheet, if you want to check out some recovery trades, have a look at the ETF spreadsheet and look on the one month that the ETFs that have fallen the most. They're presumably the ones that are going to bounce the most. And lastly, there is a article today. I'm going to start putting in, I know we have an educational bent, which is included in the strategy piece quite a lot, but I am going to start putting in a few ad hoc articles. I've called called it education today, but there's an education element to Marcus today. So I'll try and pull that out for people. Today, I've addressed an email Henry got about anchoring, which is fixating on a price and using that as a reference point for whether you buy or sell. And that that is a certain illogical nature to that. And that's what anchoring is. Anyway, read an article about anchoring. As a broker, people used to say, oh, I can't sell Telstra. It owes me $2.20. In other words, I'm not going to sell it till it gets to $2.20. 20. It's just a ridiculous statement. Or to say, I'm not going to sell it till it's back to what I paid for it. It's all the same sort of thing. The anchoring article will addresses that and points out it really doesn't matter what you paid and you can't reference past prices. Uh, the only thing that matters is where the price is going from here. You don't want to be too emotional about a price either. Well, it's human nature, isn't it? To get upset about a loss and what price you paid and all this. But really, there's a number at the bottom of your spreadsheet and it's irrelevant what you paid. Yeah. And I I will just add Chris and Ben can't join us this morning, but Chris is looking at Australian Agriculture Co. in his trading section. So AAC. AAC is the code for that. So have a look out for them. I think the chart is looking rather okay. And Leighton, anything interesting happening with the broker? Thank you, Tom. Looking at New Hope Corporation this morning, they fell 8% yesterday and they downgraded their guidance on a softer April due to weather and labor constraints. But Despite the downgrade, earnings are still in line with Macquarie's forecasts and Credit Suisse and Macquarie have both retained outperform recommendations with target prices of $4.90 and $4.30, implying 30% and 14% upsides respectively. And also looking at Morgan Stanley, who has come out with a re-rating for the big banks on estimates using the current interest rates. And they estimate an average margin benefit of around 32 basis points for the big banks. And the broker has said that their expected winner is Westpac, which they think will have the largest annual tailwind. And the recommendations that they've got there are equal weight for ANZ and NAB, underweight for CBA, and they're overweight on Westpac with a target price of $25.70, which implies an 8% upside. Thank you. That's a classic non-thinking broker. CBA should always be a buy. They always call it underweight because it's got a higher PE than the rest of the banks. And the analysts probably started last month. And that brings us to our question of the day with inflation front of mind for a lot of people. What, if any, is your favourite budgeting hack to save money? And I will start with Leighton. Do you have one? I use an app. I think it's called Pocketbook. I'm pretty sure it's like a budgeting app. That's pretty good. Just keeps track of all your upcoming expenses and stuff. So definitely helps me to budget. Good idea. I might need to use that. Yeah. Henry? I have an app called A Wife. And... It's an app that needs upgrading and updating quite frequently sometimes, but uh, it seems to be quite good at the whole budgeting aspect of things. It may be a little old school and a little analog, but 28 years and counting, it seems to be working. Very nice. So that does help the budget. It does help. (laughs) 
Uh, Marcus, I've got a feeling you might be on the other end of the spectrum, maybe. I haven't got a great approach to budgeting. Emma and I have never budgeted. Best budgeting hack is earn as much money as you possibly can, and it won't make any difference whether you've saved yourself $10 on a Coles voucher at the petrol station. So earn as much money as you can. And I have seen my kids go anally into budgeting, and one of them in particular has wasted an enormous amount of time spreadsheeting things guilting herself but the main message is earn as much money as you can and if you're fiddling about trying to save tiny wing little bits of money you need to get out of bed earlier and get on with your job yeah you've got to still enjoy your time and have fun and there's got to be that trade-off between budgeting and rewarding and sacrifice otherwise if it's just all sacrifice and it's a pretty miserable time for you the other one is to tell your partner that someone has stolen the credit card and cancel it And you get about two weeks worth of low expenditure. (laughs) I'll remember that one. Do you have one, Tom? It is staying in on a Saturday night and not spending a hundred plus dollars on pints at the random pub. I could do all the budgeting in the world, but that is a massive hole in my hip pocket. Going out and spending a couple hundred dollars on beers is it's a lot of money. If you if that could have gone into my super or an investment, that's thousands of dollars compounded (laughs) over thirty years. But I still enjoy it Gigi um, I've got a couple mine would be become an only child <laughs> become an only child what, <laughs> what, you mean you mean so get, yeah. get rid of your siblings well, I was there's uncle, an uncle Nigel <laughs> yeah that was, my, that was my third one uncle Nigel's always good and then another one is make sure your parents earn a lot of money too <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Very good. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Happy Friday, everyone. Have a good weekend. 